Well, hey there, and welcome back to the show. Now, if you have ever been told that you're too sensitive or too emotional, I think you are going to love this interview. High sensitivity is a trait that is common in people with ADHD. Elaine Aaron calls us HSPs or highly sensitive people. Now, highly sensitive people are often extra sensitive to sight, sound, smells, or touch. They may also be sensitive to external and emotional stimuli. Now, this week, I welcome back integrative wellness and life coach, Whitney Bean. Whitney is also a highly sensitive person or extra sensitive, as she likes to call it. We talk about what it means to be a highly sensitive person and how we can learn to embrace it. We talk about ADHD and being a highly sensitive person or an HSP. We talk about using body awareness or vibe care to begin noticing how our sensitivity sensitivity shows up. We also talk about creating healthy boundaries and new empowering experiences out of our sensitivities. Now, Whitney Bean is a certified integrative wellness and life coach, a birth doula, and a mom of four. She coaches intentional women to look inward, listen to their body's natural communication system, create space for processing, and inevitably show up in the present moment as the most authentic version of themselves. Now, Whitney teaches tools that are practical, realistic, and can easily be integrated into busy everyday life, such as breath work, meditation, and self-evaluating. She also loves to focus on emotional intelligence in the home and in the family. Now, a while back, I interviewed Whitney on the show, and she shared her fascinating journey from her own chronic illness to helping others. I really love her holistic approach to healing, and I think that you will too. But before we dig in, I wanted to be sure that you have downloaded the free ADHD supports guide I created for you. Honestly, it might be a good idea to have your guide handy each week while you listen to the podcast because it is often so full of tips, tools, practices, and resources to support you on your ADHD journey. Now, after listening to this episode, you will definitely want to add vibe care or body awareness to your ADHD supports plan. If you haven't already, download the ADHD supports guide at visiondrivenmom.com forward slash ADHD supports, or find the link in the show notes. Enjoy the show. And you're listening to the Vision Driven Mom with ADHD podcast with Tracy Nolan Bierman, where we believe that you can have ADHD without ADHD having you. Each week, you'll hear firsthand relatable stories, as well as invaluable tips, tools, and practices for managing overwhelm and using your beautiful, unique mind as a superpower. Motherhood with ADHD is the journey of a lifetime. Let's enjoy the ride together. Well, hey, Whitney, welcome back to the show. Hi, Tracy. It's good to see you. Yes, it's good to see you too. So before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about your journey and about how you came to be doing what you're doing right now? Sure. Yeah. So when I was in my late 20s, I had some major health issues that really derailed my plans. (laughs) I felt otherwise very healthy, motivated, um, I was very athletic and began to just have some, some health issues that, that made me question if I was going to be able to continue that lifestyle. And I really wanted that lifestyle. And so I, um, started having these symptoms mainly in the GI and having a lot of fatigue, uh, a lot of joint pain, muscle aches, um, and a lot of brain fog. And so with all these symptoms and having them increase so rapidly, I um, went to the doctor. I said, hey, what's going on? I'm not sure what's going on. At home, we had two young kids at the time. We have Mm. four now. And so I just felt depleted. I felt like I couldn't quite get a hang on what was going on and I was looking for answers. And so I went to um, general practitioner and then eventually to gastroenterologists, pulmonologists, you know, looking at the heart, the lungs, looking at allergies, what could possibly be going on. And we didn't find anything that showed up on a test. There's nothing that said, this is what you have. This is what's going on. And so after a couple of years of continuing to get worse and worse with my health and not having any answers. And then by this point, also adding in the frustration of 
having no answers and having right. no hope, really feeling pretty hopeless with where things were headed. Mm-hmm. I had a friend who said, Hey, there's this practitioner that I have a friend who she went to her and really raves about her. And so <clears throat> I went to this practitioner who happened to just be local. It was just 10 minutes for me or so. And she worked out of her home and she talked more about the holistic system of the body right. and working with the balance of the body. And so when I went to her, I, I had all my evidence, right? I said, I think I might have this and I think I might have this, but like nothing's been proved. And she said, it just really doesn't matter what you have. Mm-hmm. You are out of balance. And if we can get you back to balance, then your body will heal itself. Mm-hmm. And I just had this huge wake up call, <clears throat> excuse me, this huge wake up call and just felt so inspired by that message and by that idea that my body wants to heal itself. It wants to return to homeostasis or get to it if it's never been there. Right. And I, all I have to do is figure out where it's happiest, where it feels mm. best how I can get to that place. And so then that's kind of where my journey began of figuring out what that looked like within the mind, within the heart, within the physical body and within the spirit. So it wasn't so much just about the physical body and its symptoms. It was more so about creating a holistic, beautiful lifestyle that helped me to get to a place where my body could heal. And that's exactly what happened. So with that first practitioner, and then just kind of set me off on this new, this new route. And so that's where I work. I work with clients with that holistic idea in mind and working in all areas. So it doesn't matter where somebody comes to me, you know, they could come with physical symptoms. They could come to me with, um, you know, mental health issues with uh, emotional issues. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. We work in the same system. I do the right. same program with everybody and they get the results that they're looking for and more because we're working in a larger system. Right. Right. I love that story. And I, I love that. Um, I love that you bring up because I am, I am, I teach that mind body, you, you, you call it the mind body, mind, body, heart, and spirit. i call it mind, body, soul, but that, but the basic idea is that it's not just, it's not just your mind. It's not your, just your physical body. It's all of you. Like we have to, we have to, we have to take care of, you know, we mental hygiene, emotional hygiene, physical hygiene, like it's all, it's, it's all connected and we, we can't, you know, unlike, and, and, and this is not knocking, um, uh, Western medicine at all because we do need it. And there is a place but where Western medicine just goes for the physical symptoms, yeah. you're talking the whole the whole being, mm-hmm. and that's I, I love that, and that that's um that I truly believe that that's the thing when we treat all of us instead of a part of us, we can find that. And I love I love what you said about um about finding that that how did you say it that that happy place or the place where your body was happy happiest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that idea because in that feeling, going into that feeling, like how do I reproduce that feeling? Yeah. I think that's a beautiful, beautiful way. I mean, that that's a that's living a vision-driven life, Whitney. Yes, that's like, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It, it's and like so going into the feeling of how you want to feel. Yes, exactly. And so many times we're like working at just like, you know, if we were in a pit, just climbing the sides of the pit versus like, well, where am I even headed? Where am I even going? Right. And we really don't realize the power that that holds to be able to embody and to visualize and to describe what does that even feel like to be where I want to go. And we jump into that. I mean, it goes so well with what you teach when we think and feel and experience where we want to go. It's like, we're creating that roadmap, right? We're dropping a pin in that place. We're dropping a pin and saying, okay, I want to go there as opposed to, focusing on digging out of blank, you know, or trying to avoid blank. But when we really embody and get to a place where we're not just, um, you know, avoiding the struggle, but creating the health, then we really reduce the stress on the body. And it's not just in the physical body, it's the stress on the mind and the stress on the heart. And when we are in a place where we are creating less stress, then we have better results. We simply have better results. So I think it's so important, like you're saying, to think about what does that even feel like to be in the place I want to get to, not just like what's the next best step, but using that 
end goal to take the next best step. You know, in order to be guided to that next best step, we have to have that end goal in mind. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I love what you said about the um, when we are, when we stop focusing on the problems, on the challenges, on the fixing things, when yeah. we, when we kind of flip the switch on the focus, we do, we, 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 we relieve the stress of trying to fix the thing. Cause that's a, yeah. you gotta fix the thing. What's the problem, right? But when we when we flip it and, and like you said, that happy place, where is that happy place in your body in your, in your whole being? I really, I, I love that. And so I have a, I guess a kind of similar story or background as you do at with, um, with just, um, I kept getting sick over and over and over again, like debilitating, you know, bronchitis and pneumonia and, and where, um, where it was depressing, right? Because I was always sick. I was always on drugs and nothing was ever working either. So I'd be on like round after round. I think, I think when I finally found the holistic practitioner that I worked with, um, and she, she said, you're not leaving me until we figure out what's going on. Right. Yeah. It wasn't just a, and, and again, I'm not, I, 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 you know, we need Western medicine, right? We, 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 sometimes we need antibiotics or we need, we need different drugs, but they kept just throwing, um, throwing, uh, um, antibiotics at my system. And I think I can't remember how many months, maybe three months of round after round or after round of antibiotics. I'm like, this is like, nobody was listening to me anyway. Um, but when and it was right around that time when i found for me it's it's my yoga and and meditation and i found all my mind body practices and this was decades ago um but it kind of it kind of led me on my own yellow brick road to um to find what works for me where is the happy place in me and you know it took a while but i was eventually able to turn it around and now i mean i had all kinds of sensitivities and all of that and that's something that we're going to talk about um in a, in a, in a few minutes, but, um, but it was so hard and so frustrating, but we were focusing on what's wrong. And she's like, okay, well, let's, we're going to find out like, not just the symptoms, but like, what's, what's going on in the body? Why are you experiencing this? And then when we, when we um, got to that place, I don't know, everything opened up things opened up and solutions. We were focused, focused on solutions. Well, how do you want to feel? Oh yeah, of course. Well, you know, there, there's contrast. You've been focusing on, you know, I just want to feel better. You know, I just yeah. want to be able to sleep laying down really at, for, for part of that. I just wanted to, you know, relieve the congestion anyway. Um, but so the interest is, so we're going to talk about high sensitivity or you like to call it extra sensitive. Um, and I do. So, so a lot of us with ADHD, do um do tend to be a little more highly sensitive than than uh than most mm -hmm. um and and that's not just in our you know it it's it's also in our physical body like the sensitivities like i was i was sensitive to certain to lots of different things lots of different foods and things like that i was sensitive to everything i was sensitive to noise i was sensitive to light i was sensitive to everything yeah. including my emotions incredibly sensitive and so let's talk a little bit about sensitivity and what is being highly sensitive or extra sensitive mean to mean to you what's what's your definition of it yeah so i think that it comes down to what you're perceiving around you and like you're saying that could be within you know noises your know, auditory or visual or that can be you know in a crowded room or that can be more emotional so it can be on different levels and um it can be with foods it can be with smells it can right. be around certain types of personalities and so i think it comes down to your perception of the world around you and sometimes we don't understand that not everybody perceives things the same way <laughs> you yes. know it feels like how can this not bother you or don't you notice dot 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 right and so when you're noticing that maybe things feel or see or you're sensing things differently than the people around you um you can look at what types of things 
you are more sensitive to than others. So like you're saying, you know, maybe even what you're hearing or seeing, some people might not have that, but they might have a sense when they walk into a room, when they walk into a party, they know if there was tension in the room, right? right. Or if they have a conversation with a friend and the friend says, oh, I'm doing fine. And they know that they're not fine, right? right? So there's sensitivities in different ways. There's also food sensitivities, you know, maybe you don't have any food allergies, but you know that there's certain foods that just don't do well with you or that make you feel cranky or have more anxiety. So listening and being aware of the sensitivities that are going on and just starting to notice. And when I first um, was told that I was sensitive, it was a huge trigger for me because growing up, that was a negative thing, right? You're too sensitive, you're overly sensitive. And so when this first holistic practitioner that I worked with said, well, you're really sensitive, I was triggered. <laughs> I was like, don't tell me that. And I just really felt like it was such a curse. I'm yeah. so sensitive that my body is just breaking down, right? I felt like it was really attacking itself because of what was going on around me or internally. And so it was a matter of being aware, but also with a neutral attitude, you know, mm-hmm. having just being that. Um, being aware without judging it or without making it mean anything, just being aware of the things that you're more sensitive to. um, And at first, just noticing and taking that in, there's nothing Mm -hmm. that needs to be done at first, except for maybe creating more neutral environment, as opposed to creating stress around that sensitivity. Right, right. Yeah, I love that description. And I, 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 as I think back on my life, I've always been uh, an extra sensitive person. Um, And I mean, I mentioned sound, right? I love live music. I love live music. But there was a period of time that unless I was drinking, I could not go to a concert. Like it was completely the people, the sound, the lights, like everything was, um, was way too much. And then I kind of stopped drinking and, tr- and I just, I couldn't, like, I couldn't do it. I couldn't go to a show. I went, I spent, I spent quite a bit of many, many years not going to hear music, which mm-hmm. I love because it was too much. Mm-hmm. But then I learned about my sensitivity and, 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 and learned ways to work with it and to kind of get my body and myself you know, and decide, is, is this worth it? Is it worth it for me? And, and maybe, and sometimes I decided to go with different venues and I just use that as one example of like, just the sense of being way, way, way sense in, in all of the people. And, and I'm definitely um, an empath. So all of the people and all of the emotions and all of the, oh my gosh, it was, it was a lot. It took time to, um, to, to work with myself and understand myself enough that I could get myself to a place, and we'll talk about this in a little while, where I could kind of, I could go in safely, right? I could go in safely without flipping out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in the interesting thing is, so like I mentioned with uh, with ADHD, a lot of ADHDers um, have, uh, we, we, we get a lot of like, so it's not, you know, ADHD is very um, misnamed, we do not have an, an, a deficit of attention, right? We we have a um, we our challenge tends to be like with what to pay attention to. So we are getting we are getting sensory input from everything, and we, we kind of have a little bit of a difficulty with um, with uh, with prioritizing, organizing what's important, right? Mm-hmm. And and so to date they still don't have there's not a genetic marker for adhd and gabor mate who is a uh, psychologist um, who also has adhd and a um, um, an author and he talks about his theory is that that it's the sensitivity that that is hereditary or that 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 we have and then we have behaviors that we acquire through generations right which is so interesting and this 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 can be very controversial so i'm not going to dig into it um a lot here but it is an interesting perspective of seeing it as the the sensitivity and then the 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 behaviors or the way that we react 
mm-hmm. is kind of, you know, we, we pass it down from generationally. So very, very interesting. So I guess that my next question was, you know, why is it important for us to know? Why, why is it helpful for us to know if we are extra sensitive? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think creating a relationship with your own natural attributes is important for everyone, regardless mm-hmm. of you know, sensitivity level. Right. And with an extra amount of sensitivity, um, creating a lifestyle or creating an atmosphere for that, um, for those attributes can be really, really beneficial. And so, for example, we might have extra sensitivities, yet we also can impact those sensitivities. So, for example, if I eat wheat, I feel more anxious. I feel more hyper aware of you know my kids safety the next day Mm. things like that so So, i know oh my gosh whitney that's wild that is (laughs) that is self-awareness right there holy cow okay yeah so there are things that we can do that we know impact that sensitivity and Mm -hmm. how we're utilizing it and so for example i really don't like the way i feel when i eat wheat not only does my digestion not do as well but i you know i know that within my thoughts and within the way that i feel then because of those thoughts it's not as calm and peaceful and comfortable for me and it's not that i'm unaware of my child's safety the next day but i don't feel that anxiousness that might come with it if i were to eat a piece of cake the next mm-hmm. the day before right so there are things that we can do to impact our sensitivities um, another example would be triggers emotional triggers so if you feel like you are triggered really frequently and um you're noticing those triggers we don't love the feeling of triggers for the most part people don't like those feelings right, right. so rather than talking about the sensitivity and well i'm just triggered because i'm a sensitive person you can work on those triggers we can work on decreasing those triggers we can work on healing what's causing the triggers right. and so there's this kind of lower level of thinking about how can you positively impact your own atmosphere and your Mm. internal landscape so that you can have a better experience with your sensitivities so i just want to mention that first that it's not like this is what it is and I, i just have to accept it we really can impact um and create an atmosphere where we feel good we feel better and then moving forward from there with those sensitivities we can then utilize those in a lot of positive ways and kind of what we talked about at the beginning of this conversation thinking about not so much all the negative things that are happening with the sensitivities but how can i utilize those for good like what kind of things does it help me to really see and to do and to um you know how can i impact others because of those sensitivities right. so thinking about well this is the way i am i have these awesome capabilities mm-hmm. now what do i want to create with that why right. do i have these right and i think one of the things too that goes with it is creating boundaries so that you can feel open you can feel sensitive you can feel safe and secure Mm -hmm. without feeling like you are going to be negatively impacted by the people around you or the atmospheres around you so when you say boundaries what can you go a little bit deeper into what you're talking about yeah so a lot of empaths you mentioned being an empath right Mm -hmm. a lot of empaths i think go through a phase where they feel um maybe taken here or there by other people's emotions right and so as an empath or when you have more of a sensitivity within the emotional body it's really important that you know where you end and someone else begins mm, and that. we can still be empathetic right we can still care we can still be aware of other people but we also know that they are a different person and we're creating that differentiation. And so having boundaries doesn't mean, you know, we have to tell the whole world, I'm super sensitive, don't come near me, don't talk to me. Right. <laughs> but we have that internal awareness and that internal confidence of knowing this is where I end and this is where you begin. I really like the analogy of like a football field with the 50 yard line, like I'm on this side, you're on that side and Mm. we can touch in the middle here and there, right? We can meet in the middle when we have this conversation and then I go back to my side or we can meet here when we work on a project together and then I go back to my side. Mm. And so we're meeting in the middle, 
periodically, but we also both have our sides of the field. And I think that's really important to know that in any relationship, that's how it's meant to be, right? We get to take care of ourselves. We get to be aware. And then we also get to impact others, but not by taking on their stresses, not by Mm. assuming we know their stresses. Right. A lot of people who are feeling that, um, you know, empathetic or empathy, but they're feeling, um, kind of bogged down by it or heavy or um, just stressed or losing sleep over other people's problems and issues, that's okay. Like you, you have that awareness now and you can set up boundaries so that you feel more empowered and you're not losing energy based on someone else's life experience. Right. That is a beautiful description and an understanding of what you mean by boundaries. And it made me think about, so there has been this just explosion of um of uh moms being diagnosed with adhd Mm. since the pandemic and so during the pandemic and when we were talking about boundaries and like the football field and where you i mean you know i live in a 1400 square foot house and there are four of us and i mean it's it's bigger than our thousand square foot little house that we had before but it's still we were all here together right and and we're all we're all sensitive (laughs) Right. And I wonder if that, I mean, not I wonder, I'm pretty sure that that is one of the reasons that's when, that's when people started, you know, mom started realizing that, oh my gosh, like there's something, there's something going on here. <laughs> like there's something bigger. I'm feeling, I'm feeling all of this feeling and I don't know what to do with it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, just a, an interesting, um, an interesting understanding. And I, even after all the work that I've done, uh, decades of work that I've done, mind, body and, and, uh, and, and yoga meditation, all the things, um, I still, the pandemic was tough mm-hmm. when everybody was here, you know, I work from home, but everybody was home. Everybody, like my, you know, my kitchen is right here on this wall. (laughs) The microwave, the refrigerator, the, you know, like I can, the pantry, I can hear everything through the wall or through the door. Um, But it was, uh, it was hard. It was hard for me to, you know, I had been in my practices and all of that, but that was by myself, right? So the pandemic, and it took a while, but the pandemic gave me an opportunity to really practice the the football field, right? What's mine? What's theirs? It's okay. I don't need like we all even my kids like I wanted to, you know, you feel like you want to take away the the emotion, but they need to own it. You know, mm-hmm. they need to they need to have their own too. Anyway, that's a little a little detour, but it was when you were talking about boundaries it made me think about that pandemic and the the you know, the the how everybody everybody needed to, um, to kind of rework the way they, you know, families had to, to, to kind of redefine what it was like to be families and be together. Yeah. And you lead into something important too, that in order to create homeostasis or create space or create enough place, um, internally or externally where you have peace and calm, do we have to be away from other people if we right. are sensitive or if we are highly sensitive? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I think it takes practice and it takes focus. And I think that it takes, um, a, you know, messing up or having it not work. Yeah. But I do think that it's absolutely possible. Our um, three-year-old right now is needing someone next to her. She's falling asleep at night. Mm-hmm. And I use that time to put my headphones in and do a meditation while I'm sitting there. Right. So I could sit and I could resent and I could be upset and I could say, why is she so sensitive? Why does she need me here? Right. Or I can utilize that time for, Hey, I have this time where I'm just sitting and cuddling Mm -hmm. and it's in the dark. So it's nice and calm and quiet and there's a fan on and it sounds so nice. And why don't I just use this time every day for an extra meditation? So we, especially as parents, feel sometimes like we need to separate a hundred percent in order to be ourselves. And I don't think that's true. I think that we can find self-care that overlaps. Mm -hmm. I think we can find self-care in pockets of time. I think that we can be at a level where we feel less stress or feel less of the stress of the household or of the people around us while still being there. I think Mm -hmm. it is. I love that you say that. Yeah. And I think that it's also a, such a great example to our kids that we don't have to run away in order to feel better, right? We don't right. have to 
of the situation. Um, but I do think that it takes really clear and kind communication within mm-hmm. the family, you know, being respectful right. of one another. And that's a big part too. Like you're saying, you know, everybody being sensitive in the home, that's common, right? It's genetic. Right. Yep. So if there's one person that's sensitive, it's often more than one. But I think having a communication or a tone in the home of kindness and peace and, um, you know, communicating well mm-hmm. makes a huge difference. It absolutely does. So I, if you are sensing what's going on in the house um, with the individuals and then the tone overall, then let's work on the tone in the home and mm, not just right. the individual, how am I doing, but how can we as a household improve our atmosphere together. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. I love that. You know, and, and I'm thinking about, you know, the good news, I guess, about having um, my my son was um, had a lot of sensory processing issues when he was little, little, little. Like, I mean, really, right out of the gate, mm-hmm. <laughs> he just he he was sensitive to everything. He cried. He he uh, he he had colic which I now understand is not digestive. It's neurological. It's just, it's the the tolerance level of having a gurgly belly, basically, you know, like he just couldn't tolerate all of the extra stuff, right? But the cool thing is, is he was in, um, he was working with an occupational therapist. And so he learned ways at two, right? Starting at two and he'd been in and out of working with an OT for years. He learned ways to self-soothe And so I would watch him and parents would tell me too, like if he went to somebody's house for a birthday party or something, he kind of goes in and he comes out and he goes in and then he takes himself out. Right. And it's, it's, it's kind of, it's really brilliant to watch because he's taking care of himself. He learned self-soothing at a young age, thankfully. Right. But we can learn this at any age. We can learn how to how to take care of ourselves. Okay. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot going on in the kitchen, you know, holidays, especially, right. There's a lot going on in the kitchen. I can retreat to the bathroom. Okay. I can take a step outside. I can, I can not in a big production, not yet. I get out of here kind of a way, but we can do it in subtle ways, but it really takes understanding what's going on with ourselves and our bodies and, and to be able to take those steps. Right. I mean, cause initially, well, like I said, I, you know, I treated my sensitivity with, uh, with drugs and alcohol when I was, you know, in high school in my, in my twenties, not the right route. Right. I know that now, but it did, you know, I was, I was trying to take care of this like overwhelming, um, response in my body to everything. It seemed like, so can you help us with some simple things that we can do? So we talked about boundaries, but like, some simple things that we can do to start. We talked about recognizing. You talked about recognizing. Maybe, maybe how how you can recognize when you're getting overstimulated, and and what you can do about it. What are simple things? And it, I'm sure that it's different for um, for every person. What works? But can you kind of guide us in that direction? Yeah. So one of the first things that you can do is having and and instituting if it's not there yet body awareness Mm. so within the body noticing even just right now anybody who's listening notice what is going on in your body where are you holding tension Uh, what does that tension feel like how often do you feel that tension do you always have that tension is it more so in the mornings or in the afternoons is it in certain environments so noticing your own tension within the body and that would be stress within the body right or you could call it a lot of different things but just first noticing within the physical body when are you tensing up where are you tensing up where do you hold that tension and with that awareness you can check in numerous times a day and it's going to be probably different every time you check in but creating that pathway within the brain where we are continually checking in and saying hey body i got you what's Mm -hmm. going on what's what's going on and we're looking at it in a neutral way right if you are feeling highly triggered or tense or stressed throughout your body numerous times a day that's okay that is what's showing up that is you know that's what's happening and that's okay and right. we can improve it it can get better um but we're coming at it at a way that feels neutral and you know i i use the word loving but even loving feels triggering to some people right it's just right. neutral we're just noticing first yep. 
So first noticing what's going on. And then we get to practice taking a deep breath in and with that breath, allowing yourself to let go a little bit of that tension. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to know where it comes from. You don't have to problem solve. You don't have to. Oh, I love that. Did you hear that listeners? You do (laughs) not have to dig into your past. (laughs) Just creating a breath, creating the space. And, um, we're by doing so we're creating a pattern where you get to do that anytime right you as you practice that over and over it gets more efficient and it gets more effective and so as you practice that deep breath in and allowing a little bit of tension to release we are creating a little bit more space a little bit less stress on the body Mm -hmm. and your body will get to the point where it really enjoys that and so it becomes a habit that you want to get to Mm -hmm. Um, i really like to start with that just that body physical awareness where am i holding tension because we can all relate to that right we can all Um, even if you feel a lot of tension within your brain, um, a lot of times when we feel overly sensitive, we feel a lot of tension in the brain. We're not coming at it from a logical way. We're not coming at it and saying, let's decode all those thoughts. We're simply just noticing that there are a lot of thoughts. We're noticing that there is a lot of tension. Mm-hmm. Um, and one more thing that I like to use to break it up. If you think of an umbrella with four different segments, Mm -hmm. um, overall, that umbrella is representing stress or body communication. And we're going to break it up into the mind, heart, body, and spirit. And so with four simple questions, asking yourself, what thoughts are looming around or going around my head right now? And then simply either, you know, saying them in your head, saying them out loud or writing them on a piece of paper. So Mm -hmm. what thoughts are going on in my head right now? And there might be just a topic, you know, maybe it's, you know, my kids band concerts are overwhelming or something like that. So you write those down and then what emotions am I feeling? Simple as that (laughs) using Mm -hmm. emotional vocabulary and then what's going on in my physical body. You know, where am I holding tension? Where's that tension? What does it feel like? And then the last one is what is my gut telling me? So we just have those four simple sections or those four simple questions to help to de-stress, to help to kind of really let go of what we're holding on to. So we're taking the sensitivities that we have and we're retraining them. We're Mm. rather than allowing them to create all that tension and all that stress Mm -hmm. in the body we're taking the experience and we're changing it Mm -hmm. so the experience for a lot of people with sensitivities is um it's not so much about the sensitivity it's about how we deal with it or what our experience is with it so we're trying to recreate a new experience with sensitivities so that we can start to notice what good things they can bring, what gifts and talents they bring with them. Right. So much in what you just said. Okay. So what you just said, the, the creating the new experiences in your body, we have patterns that run deep grooves in our minds and in our bodies and our lives. Right. But the cool thing is, is that we can change them. It's not easy, right? It doesn't happen overnight, but with practice, this is what you're talking about. With practice, we can create those new experiences. We can create them so that they're not so completely foreign. Because if you're just starting this, you might feel like, wow, this is this is not so. Or you may feel like, wow, this is great. I love this. My body loves this. I'm going to do this more. But we're, we're, we're able to, we're able to create new patterns. That's the cool thing, right? That's the cool thing about the, the, you know, we can create uh, new neural pathways in our minds and our minds, our bodies are connected. So that's Mm -hmm. super cool. Um, what you talked about, about the, uh, about the checking in about the body awareness listeners, she's talking about vibe check. She's talking about vibe care, checking in throughout the day. How am I feeling? Well, am I feeling expansive, contractive energy? Am I where am I feeling it? What is it trying to tell me? And and I think what you're what you're talking about too, or when we're talking about the sensitivities, your body is always speaking to you. It speaks to you through dis-ease or discomfort or you know, or the sensitivities or in emotions, right? So we don't want to squash that. We want to listen to it. We want to allow it and just notice. And and sometimes those big feelings or whatever we're feeling, sometimes just the noticing, sometimes they dissolve, right? Sometimes they shift. 
just by noticing. So I love that. I love the 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 simple things and the umbrella that you talked about too, because I um, I and many of us with ADHD really love a visual. So I can see the umbrella, right? I can see the umbrella. It's part of me and those four parts. That's brilliant. And it doesn't have to take, you know, it doesn't have to take long. It could just be like moments in your mind, right? Unless you, unless you can write it down or you are a writer, it comes naturally. But I love that you can, you can do that simply. Okay. What are the thoughts? What are the feelings? What, you know, I, I really, I love that. I love that process. That's really beautiful. Yeah. And just going off of what you're saying too, as we are noticing what's going on with the body with sensitivities, that means we get all the extra sensitive, good things that we want to experience too. And so as we are creating a better relationship with what we're experiencing Mm -hmm. and less drama with what we're experiencing, we get to feel the fullness of it. Right. So even though I'm feeling sad, it's not the same sad that I felt a year ago, right? Because it's a different experience or when I feel joy, I'm noticing it. A lot of people who are feeling extra sensitive are like you're saying, kind of squashing those feelings, which means the good stuff too. And so noticing, um, and expanding on when we are feeling those things that feel full. They feel like you're in homeostasis and it doesn't mean there's good and bad emotions. All emotions are okay, but our relationship to the emotion creates our experience with it. And so as we create different experiences with what we're feeling, we feel better. It feels less dramatic. It feels more calm. It feels more peaceful with our self-care. If we're utilizing this concept, if we're utilizing the concept of trying to get to places where we feel better, we get to use that self-care as practice grounds for Mm -hmm. everyday life. So in your self-care, those should be things that come simply. They feel fun. They feel exciting. They feel like they're easy to do. They don't have to take a lot of time. They don't have to take a lot of money. There are things that you connect with. So for you, you know, yoga is one of those things that you connect with, right? It creates that practice of what does it feel like to be in my body with less stress? What does it feel like to be in a body where I'm more aware? And when we have our self-care revolving around those ideas, then that's where it really feels rejuvenating. That's where it feels whole. That's where it feels like we're getting to a place where we get to practice what we want to see in everyday life. Right. Right. I, love that. And you know what you're what you were talking about about the emotions. That's a really important point, right? We can't if we if we are pushing down the emotions, we're also pushing down the joy, right? We want to practice joy, right? We want to we want to practice more of the things that we want and or the way that we want to feel. And it makes me think of um of the uh the animated film um uh Inside Out how joy tried so hard to stop sadness right to sadness we can't have sadness and then by the end she realizes that oh all of the emotions are necessary and in in order to really fully experience joy we need that contrast of sadness and feeling deeply you know i i i can't I think so. We, we, Whitney and I tried to um, have this conversation a week ago and, um, and my Zoom, like my whole desktop completely shut down. So we're having this conversation again. I think at that point when we spoke, I had just lost a chicken. Did I, did I share that with you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the depth of my sadness about losing this chicken. And I, I, I loved my chicken, but it kind of had a little bit of an attachment to the pandemic and like all kinds of like, it was kind of like she was the last chicken to go. And she was, it was kind of like a letting go of that part. So it brought up a lot of emotion. So I brought my, um, my daughter with me to, um, to, uh, have her put to sleep. She had the ovarian cancer. Who knew that they, that chickens get ovarian cancer. I, I didn't, but, I took my daughter with me, who was also a, an extra sensitive soul, and um, and I was just bawling my eyes out, you know, with the doctor. The doctor was amazing, but letting my kids, letting my kids see, they know I'm a crier, and I cry when I'm happy, I cry when I'm sad, I cry when I'm angry, 
And it's a part, it's a beautiful part. It, I used to squash that down. I was actually called the, the emotional roller coaster in college, which was, you know, like you said, too much, too sensitive, you know, I'm like, oh my God. So that was kind of, I think that that was kind of the drugs and alcohol and that whole thing, that, that whole windy road that I, another emotional roller coaster. But I now, I now understand that that the depth of my emotion and the the extra sensitivity that I have, it's a beautiful thing, right? It helps me with parenting. It helps me with uh, working with clients. It helps me on the podcast. It helps me with all of my relationships, right? Now that I know how to take care of it, now that I know how to, how to have body awareness, how to, you know, the things that I need to do to take care of myself so that I can be in the world. And, you know, I, I feel like I'm a, a, like I'm an extroverted introvert, right? Mm -hmm. I love to be out. I love to be having conversations, but I also really need to feed myself. So anyway, thank you for all of that and that that um, the uh, the the emotional piece and that that reminder that we do want to experience joy. You yes. know, we don't want to push all the emotions away because then we 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 miss the best parts. Yeah, and I think that this is a perfect time, 2023. <laughs> I think it's a perfect time to readdress and talk differently about emotions. Yeah. Um, it is definitely a soapbox for me. Um, but within our homes, when we are open and honest, a lot of people are scared of that, right? They yeah. think it's going to be so dramatic and we're going to be spending all of our time working through emotions. It is the opposite. When right. we are more self-aware and then can communicate what's going on, there is so much less drama. It feels more peaceful. It feels more calm. It feels like we can get to resolutions easier because we know what's on the table. We know what right. people are experiencing. And we also have the opportunity to be really respectful of what other people are experiencing. Yeah. So even with our kids, we have kids ranging from age three to 12 and there's four of them and so starting at just the youngest age we start to talk about this and we start to talk about you know if other people are talking about what they're experiencing or even just we're noticing what they're experiencing that is a place of respect and that is a place of love and compassion it is right. never a place to use to drag somebody else down it's always a place of respect and why it's because we also experience emotion even though i don't know exactly what they're going through i haven't been in that experience mm -hmm. but if they're processing grief i've processed grief i know what that feels like if they're experiencing right. nervousness i've been nervous so rather than saying you don't need to be nervous for that right i can empathize and i can connect by saying I've been nervous before too. What does that feel like for you? What is that experience mm. feeling like for you? Let me tell you about what it felt like for me. Right. I'm not telling them they don't need to feel it because I've already felt it and you don't need to, right? That's so common to say, oh, I've felt that before. You don't need to be nervous. You'll be fine. That. You'll be fine. Yeah. That I think that is the that is the the most insensitive thing that we could possibly <laughs> say to anybody. You're, You're good. good. You'll You're be good. fine. You're good. Yes. Yeah, yeah but allowing us to have a conversation about that and connect, that is like a whole new level, right? We, that's right. a new level of connection. That's a new level of creating the tone in our home that revolves around peace and love and joy. And it also allows them to experience those things without the drama, without right. feeling the shame, without feeling like I'm feeling this thing and I shouldn't, and I'm so sorry. Like how many of us grew up, you know, if we start crying, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Right. But when we're in an environment where we feel safer, there's, you know, less of the drama that goes with it. It's just a safe environment where you can feel whatever you're feeling and it's always valid. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And that reminds me that I would love to have you back on the show and we'll talk about your um, uh, uh, developing emotional intelligence in the family, which is something that you're focusing on right now, which I'm super excited about. Imagine, I know that you have already, but imagine if we all did this in our own homes, imagine what we could create, you know, as a nation, as a world, if we all, if we were all taught at a young age, emotional intelligence and how to be, um, be, uh, compassionate and understanding and, and validating and all of those things. So, um, so yeah, let, let's definitely, um, I definitely want to, uh, want to talk about that and, 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 um, and find out where you, you know, what you've been doing and how, you know, your suggestions on how do we do this? How do we start this? And, and all of that. But Winnie, this has been a fantastic conversation. And like we said, like you said, when we, um, when we, before we hit 
record. We had a great conversation um, last week that didn't get recorded, but this one was even better. <laughs> I think this was a divine time for us to have this conversation. So I want to thank you so much for um, for taking the time today. And can you tell us about how our listeners can find you? Because they're definitely going to want to find you. Sure. Yeah. So WhitneyBean.com um, is my main website. You can find me on um, Instagram at a tad bit crunchy. And uh, we've kind of hit my two main focuses. The one is working within the body awareness and mm-hmm. working with your own body and becoming more familiar with that relationship with yourself. And then the other being working with families with um, how to create a tone in the home that revolves around better emotional intelligence and better emotional resilience. So you can check me out on on the um, on either one of those places on Instagram or on WhitneyBean.com to get some free resources, um, you know, how to coach with me, that type of thing. Yes. And definitely check Whitney out. And also Whitney has a podcast, a tad bit crunchy. I absolutely love that name. It's just, it's perfect. <laughs> a tad bit crunchy. Definitely check her out. She's got a great show. She's been, you've been doing it for at least two years now, right? Yeah. 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 We've got yeah. an episode review on it, Tracy. People can go over and listen to that. I one. know, I know. Yeah. It's, it's one of been... the most listened to. Oh, is it really? Yeah, okay. it is. Congratulations. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love, thank you. But definitely check out a tad bit crunchy. Check out Whitney and on Instagram and on her website. Uh, she's amazing. Oh, I'm incredibly grateful to have you um in my circle. Um and yeah, Whitney, thanks so much. Thanks so much for taking the time it's again. So much. You're welcome. (laughs) Take two. No, it's so fun to chat with you and you are a great human. It's so fun to connect with you as you're learning more and we get to have these conversations and I'm learning more and, you know, we just get to expand the conversations even more. So it's so good to see you. Yeah, you too. Thanks so much. Goodbye for now. Thank you for listening to the Vision Driven Mom with ADHD podcast. Now, one thing I know for sure is that managing ADHD is not a one-stop shop. There are so many tips, tools, practices, treatment options, and lifestyle accommodations to consider. It's easy to feel overwhelmed and wonder where in the world to start. If you're nodding your head yes, then you'll want to check out the free ADHD supports guide. It's a super simple step-by-step guide that keeps your ADHD brain engaged because it's interesting, it's important, and sometimes even a little exciting. I invite you to consider yourself a detective as you discover the ideal combination of supports to help you remain calm, be more consistent, stay focused on what's important, shift out of overwhelm and other big emotions more quickly make decisions more easily, and develop more confidence, all while becoming more of the person you know yourself to be. Download the guide at visiondrivenmom.com forward slash ADHD supports, or find the link in the show notes. I truly believe that you can have ADHD without ADHD having you. Goodbye for now.